901, ladies and gentlemen. 88.9, Fighting Scots Radio. It's the morning after, Monday edition of the morning after. Thank you all for tuning in here with us. I am Tyler Trumbauer alongside the Monday, Wednesday, Friday guide, Subby, back from the Cleveland or Pittsburgh Zoo. Yes, Pittsburgh Zoo and the uh, Pittsburgh Science Center. Pittsburgh Science Center. Yeah, it's down, It's right down there next to, to Heinz Field. It's really cool. Oh, I, I know. I just didn't think you'd be going to a science center. Well, I'm educated. Were they, were they doing experimentations on you? No, it's that for, would like, be the only it's for like the kids that get all excited about science and stuff. It's, it's a really good time. Gotcha, gotcha. So uh, we're getting excited here on a Monday. Uh, obviously, a lot of football to get to. Um, of course, with homecoming being this past Saturday and our homecoming edition of the morning after, which, Tubby, in your absence, went smoothly. Of course it did, because I wasn't there to mess it up. Right. Um, so thanks again to John Pantilla, Dr. Roy Shin, and University President Dr. Julie Woolman for coming on and uh, you know giving us a few minutes of their time on that busy Saturday to uh, talk about their respective uh, you know women's volleyball, student athlete, uh, academic success, and of course Woolman talking about homecoming. And uh, it was a good time. You know we had cornhole out there, all the like. Um, you know obviously I don't know how it went after Fenner and I left, but uh, you know good stuff there. Um, good show, and it was a fun time, you know, hanging out there. And uh, we had Natalie, our social media director, was right by our side, so she was snapping photos, tweeting the whole time we were there um, and, you know, getting out the word. Um, and it was fun. It was good stuff. We got to take, take the show on the road yeah, more we often. Do. We got to do more remotes. We got yeah. to find somewhere to do remotes. Yeah. You know what we should do? I have an idea. I'll tell you in the break. Though. Go but somewhere with food? I ha- Yes. I like food. I, had an, I have an idea. I, I thought of something over the weekend. But that's why you're the boss. Right. That's, that's why they don't pay me. Anyway, um, so we're going to talk about the game, which happened after the remote um, on Saturday. Uh, Clarion coming on in to face Edinburgh. A, a packed house, Tubby, for this one. I know you weren't, you weren't among them, but 4,819 was the attendance. Nice. That's a lot. I think there's only like 5,000 people that can fit. Right. In Sox Air Stadium is, is its listed capacity. There were a lot of people. A late arriving crowd. There were a lot of Edinburgh fans on the Clarion side because there's just no more room on the home side. Um, there were people standing around with tennis going on as well. So we had people that were kind of watching a tennis match and watching football because tennis kicked or started things off at noon against John Carroll. And um, also there were people, because we were high on the perch on Saturday, I saw people still tailgating into the second quarter until they decided to come into the game. I so. I mean, it was just a packed house. Clarion brought, I think Clarion bought like six buses between their cheerleaders. Um, they brought their mascot. They brought their team, the trainers. And then they brought fan buses, too. They just had a, it, it was just a, it was a brigade right. coming up from Well, it's Clarion. not that far of a drive to get up here from Clarion. It's I'm not. No, you're right. It's not. But it's just, uh, you know, we're un, not used to seeing that many fans come on, you know, for, for a road game. Well, if you have an undefeated team, aren't you going to try to follow them as far as you can? I mean, I guess. I mean, people do follow Edinburgh far and wide. I mean, when we went down to Tennessee, there were a decent amount of fans, like 20, which I was surprised for, for how many, you know, to drive right. to Tennessee. I mean, when we go across the state, you, you think you pick up different fans because where the kids live throughout the state. But, I mean, I don't think anyone's lived. No one lives in Tennessee that's on the, on the football team. Yeah, not to, not to my knowledge. And there's a couple, which a couple in Florida. They might have made that trip. But nonetheless, uh, so we're going to stock Borough football starting off, and then we're going to get into the National Football League. Apparently, Tubby said I might be right about something. Correct. So we'll get to that, definitely, because I, I love to have my ego pumped up here on a Monday morning. So as I said before, we're going to start off with Borough football, and uh, we're going to start with the Borough football play-by-play voice, Mr. Michael uh, J. Fenner here on the show. Hopefully we have him calling in now. Mike, how are you on this fine Monday morning? 
I'm doing great, and I'm doing even better that you threw in the J. I feel like I did something uh, to deserve that, maybe. I don't know. Well, J is your middle initial, right? Oh yeah, you got I was, I was, con- I was, con- I had to think for a second between another letter. So, uh, <laughs> so I- it's M J Fenner. Yeah, M J Fenner. He was M J. Yeah. That's what that's what his parents thought they wanted them. They wanted him to do. Um, so you know, of course, we have to. Uh, here we go, brownies. Here we go. Now that that's out of the way, we can get started. Borough football, Clarion, uh, Saturday homecoming edition. Clarion comes in 5-0. and Edinburgh comes in 0-5. Clarion emerges undefeated. Um, still, Edinburgh falls to 0-6 with the Golden Eagles winning 36-23 to in this contest. Um, what did you see from the Golden Eagles, Mike? I know you've been a, a, a little apprehensive to get onto this bandwagon, um, if you will. or I won't say bandwagon, but just buy into the Clarion being a legit team in the PSAC. Um, and now, I mean, they came in, took the opening kickoff, went right down the field, all passing plays, scored a touchdown. What do you, now after you saw this team for four full quarters with your own two eyes, do you f- officially fully buy into Clarion being a top team in the PSAC? Yeah, uh, I think it's time to start buying in. It's a 6-0 start for Clarion. They're 3-0 in the West. They took care of Erie County's triangle there with Mercier's Gannon and now Edinburgh. Uh, we talked about, you know, they get seats. Seton Hill at home this upcoming week, and then there's really just a three-game uh, stretch where if they can perform well enough, uh, this could be the Western Division champions that we just saw on Saturday. They've got Cal on the road, IUP, who's still undefeated in conference play at home and at Slippery Rock. That's going to be the test right there with those three teams. Um, but it's very easy to see that maybe the winner of the West does have one or two losses. So the fact that Clarion's still undefeated with the three and a record uh, – you know, with those three games, they've got a little bit of breathing room to operate with. So it'll be interesting to see. But just the way that they looked from that opening drive, like you talked about, really impressed with what they do. And and uh, it's just it's not the same football team from last year. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, they've really changed it. The personnel much the same. Uh, new coaching staff, if you will, with the offensive coordinator Weibel moving up to the head coaching gig. Uh, Connor Simmons, the man under center, 18 for 28, 345 yards, four touchdowns. No picks. Edinburgh did get to him four times with sacks on the day, um, but he got it done, everything he wanted to do through the air. Um, what, what did you see from Connor Simmons, and, and really how impressed were you with the guy, especially with his ability to uh, protect the football? He's a confident uh, pocket passer. He's a guy that this offense is built around and, and given confidence, and I think you know, he really gained that confidence in the first three weeks of the season. Uh, with games against Lockhaven, Millersville, and Cheney, just starting to put on performances uh, that really he hadn't seen in his career. And don't forget, I mean, this is a guy that sat behind Darrell Carson, who's still on the current roster. This was really a battle back and forth the last two seasons between who was going to be the guy. Uh, but finally, he gets, you know, Coach Weibel up there as the head coach. He's now in charge. He's got the keys to the car. And with what he's doing, engineering this offense, it just it seems like they're they're more open, they're more free to do what they need to make plays, and uh, they've got the guys to do it. We just didn't think, you know, that before they, they they were capable, but now that they have that freedom, I think on offense to flex it out. Uh, this is a 
a dynamic aerial attack and one of the best passing teams in Division Two. Right, and uh, they have a nice receiving core to help that passing attack. Del Reese Williams actually ended up being the leading receiver, the running back on the day. Of course, he had a couple swing passes and some screens for long yards after the catch, helping that out. Four catches, 104 yards. Matt Lehman, the guy that got all the headlines as the top guy in the receiving core, also had four catches, 81 yards, two touchdowns as well. Um, Gage Clark, three catches, 66 yards. Kevin Ginevro, four catches, 59 yards, and two touchdowns as well to uh, complement that receiving core for Clarion. Um, Offensively, defensively, they seemed like a pretty sound team. Uh, You know, a couple of times they missed they missed a short field goal. Edinburgh was able to block two extra points on that, which, you know, if this game ended up staying closer through the four full quarters, could have made a difference. Um, but at the end of the day, it really did not. Um, on the Edinburgh side, uh, what did you what did you see from this offense? Uh, you know, the the running game they, at, they were actually leading the rushing attack for a good half to almost three quarters of this contest. This at the half, Clarion had negative eight rushing yards. That's something you know, that we don't really see too much Edinburgh leading the rushing attack, but at the end of the day, it equaled out. Uh, offensively, what uh, did you make of Edinburgh on Saturday? Yeah, offensively, not a bad first half in terms of running the ball. Uh, Clary was held to minus eight yards rushing despite throwing for 300 yards in the first half, which is an oddity in itself. Uh, but you know, in the first half, Edinburgh was able to get over 60 yards rushing. And the thing that I think was tough was, you know, that late touchdown for Clary makes it 19-10. to 10. Uh, you know, you're living on 13-10 for a while there after the Edinburgh touchdown. And if they wouldn't have scored there, I think if, if the Clarion Golden Eagles were held, you know, to not get in that end zone late in the half, it would have made the play calling a little bit more balanced in the third quarter. Because I asked uh, Coach Browning, you know, how come the running game changed so much between the first two halves? And he said, well, a lot of that was just dictated by the score and by the fact that we had to kind of air it out and, and, and go five wide and throw the ball a little bit more. Uh, that they would have liked to. Uh, but then he admitted, you know, maybe we, we, we don't want to do that when we're throwing interceptions because the turnovers were certainly the area that killed this team. Uh, and I really personally believe, too, if, if they don't, you know, turn the ball over in that third quarter, they got an interception, back-to-back uh, possessions, they go with a fumble that's lost, and that leads to 10 points for clearing. If you don't have those turnovers, even if the drives aren't super successful, uh, I still think you're hanging around in the fourth quarter with more of a, more of a say in the matter instead of trailing 36-17 with the game really all, all but one for Clarion. Right, I mean, simple mental math will tell you that. 36-23, to 23, the final score, you give up 10 points on turnovers, that makes it a field goal game. So, yep. I mean, that's, that's really simple enough right there. Mike, as, yeah. as I look over the stats, am I reading the stat correct? Was Edinburgh 2 of 10 on third down conversions? Uh, let me check that real quick. It looks, yeah, I think you're right. Um, that was an area that they really did struggle in. And uh, hasn't that kind of been the story for Edinburgh all year? Like, we, we get there and we just can't can't make that conversion to keep the drive going? Yeah, and you know what? The thing that's weird is it felt like there weren't that many third down and longs. It felt like it was more third down medium, third down short, you know, maybe third and six and in. It didn't feel like Edinburgh was living in third down and ten territory. I'd have to find a way to check that out. Uh, but... It seemed like Clarion on the other end was, was third down and long several times. And they were four for 12. Not that that's, you know, world-beating, but it's still better than two of 10. And, you know, third down's a critical area because if you're not going to be able to convert there, it's going to force your defense to come back on the field and play many more snaps. And then it also makes it so that your offense can't get into a flow, can't get into a rhythm. Uh, and it really, it's hard for them to put things together that way. 
Clarion offensively worked efficiency, efficiently in this contest. Only 18 first downs, um, only had the ball for 28 minutes. Edinburgh had more first downs, had the ball longer. Um, but Clarion was able to amass 506 total yards offensively to Edinburgh's 299 of most of them coming in the passing game, as we touched on earlier. So Edinburgh, uh, you know, defensively, how did what did you feel? How did you feel about their performance in this one? Obviously, giving up a lot of passes. Um, I, Coach Browning was quoted with you after the game that he thought there was a lot of you know breakdowns defensively. Um, I mean, Clarion seemed to be able to do anything they wanted on Saturday, so I, I don't think you can really put a check mark next to uh, defense for Saturday. No, I, I would agree with that. The one thing I was impressed with in the first half was the one-on-one man coverage from the cornerbacks. I thought they did do a good job especially defending the slant. Uh, they really only got beat once or twice in that first half where it was, you know, uh, in critical areas with, with touchdowns, albeit. But I think they did a good job in the first half. But then I think in the second half, I don't know if it was, you know, fatigue, if it was scheme, the way the Clarion made adjustments or, or what it was. Uh, but there was a breakdown there in the passing attack uh, in, that, in that secondary that is very young. Uh, they're still, you know, taking their lumps. They're still trying to, improve every week and improve every day but uh no you're right i mean the defense did have a tough out did have a tough afternoon and even though the running game seemed to be kept at bay for most of the day because really that 57 yard touchdown run from delarisa williams was, was towards the end of the game uh clarion did didn't really need to run the ball a ton anyway uh so i mean this defense is still still growing still improving and uh kind of like what coach browning was talking about after the game just in general Unfortunately, it's not going to get any easier because you're really getting into the meat of, you know, PSAC West contenders still. I mean, you already had Cal, IUP, Clarion, sure, uh, but then you're going to get your Gannon, your Mercyhurst, and Slippery Rock all in a row to finish up October. And although you have two of those games at home, I mean, those are really tough teams. and It's going to be a physical battle for that defense and a big-time challenge for everyone on the team. Right there. I don't think there is a team in the PSAC West that isn't meet, you know what I mean, that we're going to be facing this year. Every team is very good. To the defensive point, one last few points there. Um, you know, they, they, they did have the four sacks on the day. We thought they got a lot more pressure on Simmons than they had on any quarterback this year uh, as they're more and more comfortable in that new defensive scheme they're using. One last note, um, Jamal Evelard, he had his first career start at running back as the guy that I've been uh, highly touting all year. And uh, he had 41 yards on 14 carries as the leading rusher for the game. So, uh you know, he's, he's uh, growing in this offense, and hopefully that running game can continue. But as you said, Mike, uh, you know, another week, um, another tough team in the PSAC West as Edinburgh doesn't have a lot of time to prepare. They actually had practice at 7 o'clock last night um, at Sox Harrison Stadium on a Sunday. So um, they have Gannon, that short trek up I-79 on Thursday night, 6 p.m. kickoff uh, between Gannon and Edinburgh, which you can hear right here on 88.9. Early thoughts on the Golden Knights. Um, Mike, as Ed, as Clarion emerges from this one, six and zero, best start for their team since 1983, and Edinburgh emerges and heads into that contest against Gannon, zero and six for the first time since 1954. Yeah, it's it's been a strange year. Uh, it's been unfortunate. They've had a couple breaks here and there. They've had some close games, but got to be a little bit more competitive. And don't be deceived by Gannon's one and two PSAC record because that really doesn't mean a whole lot to me personally. Uh, in my opinion, they're right there in terms of quality with the 3-0 and Clarion, the 3-0 and IUP, and the 2-1s and in SRU and Cal. Uh, still a 4-2 football team overall, and they just kind of started slow, a lot like 
uh, Mercier's has too. Uh, as the Lakers have started 0-3, those two teams are very, very quality football teams, though. So don't sleep on Gannon because they, that's been a monster that's been built uh, the last few years now, and they've really turned that program around. That they certainly have. Uh, you know, Clarion was one of those teams uh, handing the Golden Knights one of their PSAC West losses. So we'll see uh, what the real Gannon Golden Knights is, regardless of what number says. Before we know it, Thursday, 6 o'clock. You're going to be in here on Thursday to, to break it on, on down for us, Mike? Oh, yeah. All right, sounds good. So Fenner will be here on Thursday uh, to talk Borough football with their short week with a 6 p.m. Thursday night kickoff against Gannon um, in Erie. Thanks for the time, Mike, and uh, enjoy your Monday, sir. We appreciate, I appreciate it. I hope you guys did. And, uh, hey, Tommy, big bounce back for Cleveland. That was uh, well needed. That was huge. I think that deserves uh, my boy uh, Fenner bringing me in a biscuit. A biscuit. Yeah, we'll see about that. A biscuit. We'll see about that. Fat guy hungry. Maybe you should just not watch the Browns anymore because they seem to win. Anywho, uh, Mike, we appreciate it. We're going to hit our first break here on the show. Um, continuing along now as we're going to talk about the NFL, including the Browns, all the like um, there as it's uh, – it was an interesting day in the NFL, you know, and I think, I think uh, you know, we're, we kind of got slapped in the face a little bit. And uh, we're going to talk about that, um, what I really mean about that, and more as we jump in to the National Football League right after this. Supporters of WFSE include the Edinburgh Hotel Bar, serving a variety of lunch and dinner items every day from their location at 100 Meanville Street in downtown Edinburgh. Information is at 814-734-5103 or online at edinburghhotelbar.com. 922-88.9 Fighting Scots Radio, edinburghnow.com. The TuneIn app, mobile devices, all the like. It's the morning after, Tyler Trumbauer. Tubby got you covered here on a Monday morning. Thank you all for tuning in. Uh, We appreciate the support as always. And if you miss any part of today's show, um, or you just want to listen to it again because it's that darn good, because we are that entertaining. Uh, sometimes. Uh, yeah. You can check out our podcast on edinburghnow.com. That goes up, you know, normally mid-afternoon when I get around to it. i uh, got a lot of, you know, stuff going on. So uh, now we're going to talk NFL. Uh, and one thing, Tubby, I think, um, you know, Week 5 National Football League, almost one game left. One thing that I think is kind of, uh, you know, embarrassing for us is we were kind of in here on Friday, uh, you, Mike, and I, and we were like, there's not that many good games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we don't know what we're talking about. Not a clue. Because there are a lot of good games. Three overtimes in the first slate, the the one o'clockers, to begin with. How many games were late that almost went to overtime? Denver, Oakland, San Francisco, New York, um, Buffalo, Tennessee was very close. All those games are right down to the wire. I was I was switching on my DirecTV ticket all the time. I couldn't I couldn't keep up with it. And I had that. Then I had the games that were local on the TV. I was following on the on Twitter. It was crazy. Couldn't keep up. And how about that Jacksonville Tampa Bay game? Was that not entertaining? Were you not entertained? The Jacksonville what game? Jacksonville Tampa, Tampa Bay. Bay. Yeah. I didn't really watch it, but it was close. And I was thinking, I was like, you know what? Tubby did say it was going to be close and entertaining, and it was. Yeah, that's, I got to pick my moments here. That was that was a good job by you. So, um, <clears throat> you know, I'm going to give you a round of applause for that one. That was good work. That was good work there. So, uh, nonetheless, let's get to this one. Uh, I didn't even mention Chicago, Kansas City, and the one o'clockers that were uh, close as well. Um, Chicago emerges vict- victor- victorious in this one, and I watched the end of this one. Um, Jay Cutler, 252 passing yards in this game, looked like a quarterback. I mean, he took Chicago right down the field at the end and scored that game-winning uh, touchdown at the end. I mean, time expired. Jay Cutler stepped up, da- at, you know, under pressure, under a two-minute drill, went down, scored a touchdown, 
That was the game, right there. If you're if you're Kansas City, and you faltered a little bit now, are are you starting to get off the bandwagon? Is it is it almost panic mode time for Kansas City? Their season's done. Kansas City's cooked. It's over. Stick uh, a fork in them. Yeah, you have to. They're they're one in what? They're one in four, zero oh and two at home, and they most likely MRI is going to show today. But Jamal Charles probably has a torn ACL. Yoch. So your leading rusher has a torn ACL. Um, I mean that's it. I mean, and you're already one and four to begin with. You can't go one and four. I mean, that's why this New Orleans Eagles game, which we'll touch on later, is you know was such a huge game because. Both teams are one and three. Both teams are basically playing for their seasons because now New Orleans, if you fall to one and four, you're basically done. The Eagles, you fall to one and four, you're basically done as well. You, both teams had to win that game, but only one team could, or right. you could have tied. But I mean, Let's someone go. had to win the game, and that was Philadelphia. So their season stays alive for another week. But I mean, Jay Cutler went right down, beautiful pass, touchdown. He fe- he dropped the snap too on the on the. Uh, on the, tu- on the game-winning touchdown throw, still managed to get it off. But Kansas City did have a chance to come down, get in the field goal range. Um, and what happened was they threw it to Jeremy Macklin, who would have put him in field goal range right around Chicago's 40-yard line, but he bobbled it at going out of bounds, didn't fully retain possession. Tully was out of bounds, cost him that play right there. Not saying it all came down to one play, but there you go. And in the- I believe they did try a field goal. They tried, it- they tried a 66-yarder, I think. And it wasn't even close. It got like two yards deep in the end zone, and that was that. The guy, it was, it was his name's like Caro Santos is the kicker's name. Yeah, Caro Santos. Never heard that guy before. No, neither have I. But you know, he's he, apparently he can't make sixty-six yard field goals. Not many people can though. Um, An- another cool little tidbit coming out of the one o'clock games: the streak is over. Well, we'll get to the game. Are you going to get to? The, okay. Yeah, it's nine twenty-six. All right. Well, I was just kind of moving moving around. Well, you know, this was a huge game because, I mean, Jay Cutler stinks. Yeah. And, and I don't know if you realize this, but Chicago was down 11 points with 7.51 left in this contest. It wasn't like it, back. it wasn't like 17.10 and all he had to do was get a touchdown and a two-point conversion. He was down 11 points with under eight minutes left. That's pretty darn good, I think. Yeah. You might not agree, but, I mean. Well, no, I've seen it happen before. Right, but not with Jay Cutler and the Bears. Correct. But, I mean, I've seen other mediocre to poor quarterbacks. Right. Do the, the exact same thing. And they usually do it against the Browns because the Browns. Because of the Browns. Right. So moving on, since you want to move on. Uh, Cincinnati emerges 27-24 in overtime against the Seattle Seahawks. Bengals 5-0. and Huge game. 5-0. and Cincinnati Bengals. But it is only week five. I, I, I don't want to. I mean, I have the cup in my hand. Is this the same old Bengals or is this not the same old Bengals? I have the cup in my hand. I'm almost prepared to drink the Kool-Aid on the Bengals. I mean, should we be talking about playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs. You kidding me? Playoffs? Should we for these Bengals? I, you know, if they don't win the division, which I know I picked Pittsburgh to win the division, and we'll see how good they look tonight against uh, the Chargers. Right. But I think they would definitely lock up one of the uh, wild card slots coming out of the AFC if they don't outright win the division. Talking about Cincinnati. Right. I mean, this is. This is normally a, a game that the Bengals would normally fold in and lose, um, even if it's week five or week 15, but they didn't. They, stu- they stood in there. This was a late overtime. They stripped Russell Wilson. Um, they get the ball, um, kick a field goal, off the upright, get the win, off the left upright. Yeah, game. it in. Yeah, Money. game. Well, Andy even, even Carroll at the end of the game, Carroll's like, we're not right. 
This isn't the. Well, yeah, of course, it's not the Seattle Seahawks you expect. A team that I thought should have, you know, won the Super Bowl, um, you know, a couple of years. But what is, what's up with their offensive line? They're not protecting Russell at all. I mean, that poor kid is not only is he running, he's running for his life half the time. Right. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, the Eagles are dealing with the same offensive line thing. Um, you know, the offensive line is such a huge, uh, you know, facet of the game now, and you're, you, have to, you have to key in on the offensive line in the draft. If you don't take care of it, and the Eagles are finding that out now, if you, if you neglect it, you're, you get in trouble because look at how many offensive linemen are being taken early in the draft. That, it's never been like that before. No. You got, it's because the offensive line is such a huge part of the game, of the game now. And, uh, you yep. know, for the running game, for a running quarterback, even for, you know, if you're going to pass, you need pass protection for the offensive line. So you need to have a top-notch offensive lineman if you want to win the National Football That's League. why I'm teaching my boy Pudge Early how to be an offensive lineman. You trying to get him to go to the NFL? No. All right. I mean, but still. I doubt you're going Titusville to, to the National Football League. It's happened before. It's, it was the home of John Heisman. There you go. So, I mean, we have to. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. I think he'll end up playing for Burrow if he plays for anybody eventually. He's excited. He wants to come out here. But anywho, um, but yeah, offensive line is just key. And it's it's nice to see finally that the big guys are getting some love and that they're not just an afterthought anymore where you just pick up like three or four guys that are undrafted. You know, at the end, they're actually scouted now. Right, right, yeah. And, um, you know, moving on to another game now, Atlanta 25, Redskins 19. Atlanta 5-0, and Dan Quinn, Coach of the Year. Has to be. Lock it in. There's no give me give me another coach that's gonna be coach of the year. You can't. No. Dan Quinn's coach of the year. You can't you can't take an Atlanta team that was just so downtrodden, didn't win, you know, didn't win those close games, didn't, you know, Matty Ice wasn't Matty Ice anymore. Right. I, I just I need to look I'm working on something here. I need to look up oh, yeah, yeah. who they actually have beaten. Because I, I have a que- I have a question. I'm not ready to go in on them yet. And I'm wondering if they're a little bit Cincinnati-ish. Like, are they truly? Are they a legit five and zero? Do you think, or is it like bloated numbers? You know what I mean? Right. I think it is. I think it's legit. I. Uh, Let's see. They they beat the Eagles. Yes. They beat the Giants. They beat the Cowboys, and they beat the Texans, and they beat the Redskins. So some good, some bad. Regardless, you play your schedule. Yeah. You're five and zero. Right. I mean, they're basically put it this way: you have, they have what eleven more games, and they only need really like five or six wins of those eleven games to get in the playoffs. Well, I, put it that way. That's yeah. that's the way you got to look at it. Well, I mean, their legit test is going to come in the, within their own division when they play the Panthers again. Right. And, right. But that that'll be a great game, and it's divisional. But I'm saying you're five and zero. I don't right. care what your record is, who you beat, who you didn't beat, because you don't need to. You don't need to, you know, appease a committee to like the co- like college football to get right, into to a fourteen play. You just need to get a win. You right. play the teams you were scheduled to play, and you just have to get that. You just whether you, whether three wins is going to get you into playoffs or twelve wins are going to get you into playoffs. You just need to have enough wins to get into the playoffs, and that's what the Falcons are doing because they're halfway there already. Right. Well, they could. I could see them potentially running the table until they get to their bye week. At least through November eighth, I don't think they lose because they face the Saints, the Titans, and then the Bucks, and then the Niners. Right. I don't think they lose into their bye week, week ten. So there you go. We could have ten and zero. Ten and zero team. We'll have to see. Thanks. So uh, another team down south, at Tampa Bay, Jacksonville. This is the game you said is going to be intense. Going to be one to watch. You didn't watch yep. it. I didn't but, watch uh, it. But... It's a good game. Tampa Bay t- two and three now. Jacksonville one and four. They're still rebuilding. 
I don't think Tampa Bay will be a legit contender despite them being two and three, though. I mean, they'll no. falter down the stretch eventually. They yeah, beat I don't Jacksonville. Think, well, I mean, they have a they have a rookie quarterback in Jameis Winston, and, right? And, and he looks good. He's showing flashes, but still, he's a rookie, and he's still trying to get used to the pace of the NFL game. So, you know, against top tier teams, if they just win the games that they're supposed to win, they'll do fine. But it, it's going to take a while before they're a true contender. Maybe, maybe halfway through next year, they'll make a decent run. Nonetheless, they beat the Jags and an 11 game home losing streak as Doug Martin ran for 123 yards and scored three touchdowns. Um, so there you go, Bucks taking care of business in that one. So we're going to hit another break on the show. Come back, then we got the real games on tap: Philadelphia. Cleveland, Green Bay, which you were ooh so eager to get to. I was. And then, of course, Buffalo, Tennessee, among the likes. Four o'clocks weren't as entertaining. One o'clock is where it was at. And we'll get to the rest of them and more on the other side. Don't go anywhere. It's the morning after. Supporters of WFSE include John's Wildwood Pizzeria, featuring a selection of pizza, hoagies, wings, salads, and more. John's is open daily at 105 Erie Street in Edinburgh. Information is at 814-734-7355 or on the web at johnswildwoodpizza.com. Do you wish there was a club that brought claim print images to life? Well, look no further than the Edinburgh University Animation Club. The Animation Club is a friendly environment open to anyone with an interest in the world of computer graphics that is looking for opportunities to learn and grow outside the classroom. For upcoming meetings and event times, check out the Animation Club's Facebook page today. 937-88.9 Fighting Scots Radio. It's the morning after here. Thank you all for tuning in. EdinburghNow.com, also on the TuneIn app on mobile devices. We got you covered. Tyler Tubby here on a Monday morning talking NFL. As the week five is 99.9% done, just one more game, the Monday nighter tonight, which means a lot. Pittsburgh Steelers into that one. We'll touch on that in about 20 minutes. Um, continuing on here with the 1 o'clock games, though, uh, Philadelphia, New Orleans to take talk about, Cleveland, Baltimore, St. Louis, Green Bay, Buffalo, Tennessee, so many good games. Let's start off with the one that means the most to me. Philadelphia, New Orleans. Uh, this, both teams coming in one and three. I talked about it earlier on the show. Someone needed to win this game to keep their season alive. It turned out that was the Philadelphia Eagles. They're two and three now. New Orleans falls to one and four. A lot of problems down there in New Orleans, whatever it may be. I think it's they're just missing Jimmy Graham tremendously, and yes. they just really underestimated how uh, big he was to this offense. Um, but nonetheless, the Eagles emerged victorious 39-17. Uh, really, it was 39-10. New Orleans scored a, a touchdown in garbage time right before the end of the game um, to make it 39-17. So, Eagles killing it. Now, here's my question. Oh, gosh. And I don't want you to get all cranky or, or hurt over it, okay? I don't like where this is going already. Were the Eagles that good or were <laughs> the Saints that bad? I'm not happy about the win. I mean, I'm happy it's a win because the season stays alive for another week, but I'm not feeling good about the Eagles. So I guess to answer your question, the, the Saints were that bad. I okay. mean, the Eagles, the Eagles had two – Sam Bradford had two interceptions in the red zone. They should have put up like 60 points on this New Orleans team. They also went for it on fourth and nine, which was ridiculous. They either should have gone for a field goal. I think probably could have made it or at least punted for – you know what I mean? For goodness sakes, to not mm-hmm. go off for a little there. But, I mean, Sam Bradford, <laughs> he did have 333 yards and two touchdowns. It was the probably the most comfortable game that he's played as a quarterback. Um, they scored in the first quarter, which they hadn't done yet this year. 
I mean, that's a start. DeMarco Murray had 20 carries after complaining he doesn't get enough touches. He got 83 yards and one touchdown. So he actually got a little bit going. He got more yards. I forget the stat, but he got more yards before contact, before the first contact than he has ever this year. So he actually was able to have some more real estate to run before he got a would-be tackler on him. But New Orleans had four turnovers in this contest, too. So, I mean, as much as this defense is bad, it is the worst defense in the National Football League. Um, the Eagles' defense played pretty well. You know, so... They didn't get tired either. I mean, they had the... They put together some long drives on offense to kind of spell those guys. Oh, yeah, because the Eagles actually won time of possession. Which, which is... Chip, Chip Kelly doesn't care about. Right, because he's usually that high-paced, go, 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 go offense and beating everybody down, but then that also beats down your defense because your defense is on the field longer. So... Well, I mean, they actually didn't have that long of um, drives. Uh, their longest scoring drive, at least, was only eight plays, which took three minutes and 29 seconds. Right, which is still better than... Actually, no, I lied. Nine plays. It took four minutes and 32 seconds. They've had two that were nine plays in the fourth quarter when it didn't matter, but only resulted in field goals. So, um, no, you're right. They had, you know, they had a decent, they had a decent day. They got the win, and... I don't feel good about the Eagles right now as a team. I still think they got a lot of problems. They got a lot of things to work on. Um, Nelson Aguilar went down with an injury. They're still beat up on the offensive line. Um, they still got to figure I mean, I don't really know which the best quarterback for this offense is, whether it's DeMarco Murray or Ryan Matthews. They bring different things. I think Ryan Matthews is better for this system than DeMarco Murray, but you paid DeMarco a heck of a lot more. Um, you know, he's the, he's the premier back, supposedly. He's the big name. So you got to try to get your money out of him the best you can. Right. And you know that Chip Kelly's going to have that in the back of his head because he's the general manager, so he's the one thinking that. Normally it's a guy sitting up in the owner's box thinking that, but now he's on your sidelines calling your plays. So that's, Do you think it's too much for Chip Kelly doing both? No. Do you I think he needs a GM? I don't think he wants one. Do you think a GM would help him? No. Not at all? Didn't help him in the beginning. He, I mean, listen, Andy Reid got the same thing. Andy Reid was the guy in charge of player personnel. He had the final say on who was drafted. He had the final say on trades. Did he have that from day here. one? I mean, I'm sorry, my Eagles fan. I don't think so. I think it took a couple years to get there, but he had it for most of his time here. It was 16 right. years. Right. He had it for most of his time. I don't think it was as quick as Chip Kelly got it after two years, but I don't think Andy Reid had as much success out the gate as Chip Kelly did either. Yeah. Because Andy Reid, I think, went 4-12 and in his first couple of years until Donovan McNabb came and he drafted Donovan. And he was the one to decide to draft Donovan, who won't go into the Hall of Fame because he never you know, reached the next level, but he was a heck of a quarterback, one of the best in Eagles franchise history. So, Yep, and I've seen his face on, on plenty of chunky soup cans. Yeah, and uh, DUIs, so too, that's, that's a yep. problem there. Um, <laughs> nonetheless, Brad, uh, you know, Fletcher Cox did a good job with the Eagles as well. So the Eagles move on two and three and, you know, really it's unfortunate because the Giants won last night, which kind of ruined it. Um, but the Eagles face the Giants next week, Monday night, that game's like, you know, for put that game can put the Eagles right near the top of the NFC East. They came into week five last in the division, and now they could be right near the top next week, depending on how things shake out. Dallas has a bye week. They're, they're kind of contemplate a quarterback change potentially. The Redskins lost and the only teams that won were the Eagles and the Giants. So watch out there. Now we're going to go on to your team. Browns 33, Baltimore 30. Overtime. Browns win. Browns move to 2 and 3. Baltimore falls to 1 and 4. I'm going to let the floor be yours. Well, you know what? How, how there was the butt fumble? Yes. Mark Sanchez now, Philadelphia Eagle. But now they have the butt touchdown. Did you see Gary Barnage's catch between the legs? I just did. Yes. <laughs> It's just amazing. I mean, I caught the highlights. I didn't even. Uh, I didn't even watch the game. I'm a bad fan. 
because I was driving home from Pittsburgh at this time. Were you listening to the game? No, you, no, I couldn't get it because the the cell service and and trying to listen to the navigator because I have to have like the GPS navigator, the pretty little lady in my wife's phone tell gotcha. me how to get out of there. So yeah, I didn't even listen to the game at all, but I was getting texted updates from my buddy who was watching. So you were the game. texting and driving. Oh, that's good. No, my wife was texting. Uh huh. She was reading them out to me. I don't text and drive. I drive safe when I got my kids in the car. Everybody buckled, obeying all traffic and speed laws. But, uh, yeah, so I was pretty amazed. I didn't think we were going to win. I thought going into the third quarter, the game was over again. And I'm like, okay, well, here we go. Here's another loss. But somehow, by some miracle, by some strange twist of fate, we actually beat them in M&T Bank Stadium, which hasn't happened since 2007, which, by the way, is the last time we went to the playoffs. So you're getting to the point where I was right? I'm getting to the point now where I understand. I see where you were coming from with McCown giving us the best chance to win right now. Right now, Because he does. I see He's that. He's the best quarterback for the Cleveland Browns right now. I see that. And, and you know what? And, and not since Bernie have I seen a guy actually throw that much and have productions out of it. He was 457 like, yards, team record. 30-something of 50, 30, 31 out of 57, I believe. 36 out of 51, you dyslexic old bat. <laughs> yeah, I'm old. But, uh, you know, I mean, and no interceptions. None. No. None. No turnovers from either team in this one. Very clean. But the Cleveland Browns, I can't believe I'm going to utter this statement. The Cleveland Browns had 505 yards of total offense. Right. It's crazy. And a shot now because that's a division win. That's our first division opponent. That's our first division win. So you said the Browns only win two wins this only win two games this year, so they're done. I'm not getting my hopes up. So now you're saying they lose eleven games. Because you told me before that the next time they win a game is against what? San Francisco in like week twelve? Yeah, if we're lucky. And now they just beat the, the Baltimore Ravens. By a sheer twist of fate. Oh my gosh. I don't know, but uh, but then we have a... Why a, can't you just accept that the Cleveland Browns aren't that bad? Mike Pettin is a decent coach, and the I, Cleveland Browns are not the disgusting, despicable NFL franchise they have been for the last decade. You know what? I believe in Coach Pettin. I love Coach Pettin. I want Coach Pettin to be here for the next seven to ten years. However, this Browns roster, this Browns team, I'm not believing in yet. I've, I've just seen it before. I'm not saying they're going to make the playoffs. I'm not saying they're going to win the AFC Championship. I'm not saying they're going to host the Lombardi Trophy and have a parade down s- Cleveland. I'm saying that Cleveland normally wins two, three, four games a year. They might get four, five, maybe six wins this year, and they're going to be competitive okay, in games. Six is quite a stretch. I said maybe six. You didn't count this one when you were looking at wins losses as the year in the beginning of the year. Even a week ago, you didn't expect nobody this else to be a counted win. this one as a right. win either. So they can win games. So you don't know they, they could potentially get to six. No, I'm just so sick of the fact that you can't give respect to your Cleveland Browns. I know you have a lot of heartbreak. You have a lot of scarring from previous seasons, and you've seen that you've seen the bad product that's been there, and and you're so downtrodden from it, but. Things turn around. They haven't earned it yet. They have not earned it yet. They beat the Baltimore Ravens at M&T Bank Stadium for the first time since 07. You don't give them any respect for that. No. Then I just don't even want to talk to you. That's fine. Now you can get to your Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. The old Packers win 24-10 against the Rams. Not close at all. Packers 5-0. and Who can beat the Packers? We're not sure. Um, but the only thing to come out of this game is what? Was the... Uh... Uh, Aaron Rodgers being perfect at home was interrupted as he was intercepted not once but twice in yesterday's 1 o'clock game at Lambeau, which hasn't happened in over, 
I think it was over a thousand passing attempts. I can't. I'm not looking at the. St- I can't get the website to load from over here. But yeah, it was like 500 and some or 483. It was around like 500 passing attempts. Yeah, at Lambeau. And like a thousand days or something like that. Maybe it was 2012. Was the last time I believe he had yeah. a pick at home. So Packers move along. Rams are just the Rams right now. And another heartbreak to get to this one. Buffalo survives. 14-13 over Tennessee. The Bills are 3-2. and two. The Titans fall to 1-3. and three. Back-to-back heartbreaking losses for the Titans and Marcus Mariota and Mike Fenner. Um, I mean, obviously the bye week squished in between them two, but man. I mean, Titans were up like 13-0 in this game. No, they were up 10-0, I lie. They were up 10-0 in this game. And, ba- and then that's it. That's it. Stalls. They came down. Tyrod Taylor and company. Are the Bills legit? They're three and I, two. They're quirky. I think so. Two I mean, I've been high on them all all year. I know, but you're, I, you're higher on the Bills than you are on the Browns. I know, which which, which is scary with Rex. I don't like Rex, but <sighs> we'll get to that later. But I believe him. Tyrod Taylor, ten for seventeen, one hundred nine yards, one touchdown. Managed a game, got it done. Marcus Mariota, twenty one for thirty two, buck eighty seven through the air, one pick. Tyrod's legit. We'll see. Legit. He's legit when he's got a good defense. Legit. But if but if he doesn't, bucket. Watch out. Tennessee one and three. It's going to be a tough year for the Titans again. Hey, but they might get a top five pick, and then you know, boom, there you go. You're legit. Yep. It could be really good. I mean, I think they just need a. I don't. I think they just need another wide receiver, another power wide receiver, maybe a running back. We'll see. So that's a. Now that's a most of the 1 o'clock game. Going to get into the 4 o'clock games next up uh, after this break, and then we'll quickly talk about the Monday Nighter in our last segment here in the morning after. Don't go anywhere. 9.53, 88.9, Fighting Scots Radio. Last segment here in the morning after. Uh, we got to whip through these last couple of games here on the docket. Patriots-Cowboys, not very good. Patriots 36. I'm going to say I was wrong on that one. I thought it was going to be closer. Um, if you're the Cowboys, I think you got to switch and go with uh, Matt Castle now that he's cleared. He's got a couple weeks to learn the playbook. Brandon Whedon's just not getting it done. Um, you agree? I agree. So Brandon Whedon out. Hopefully Castellan. They got a bye week to look at that. Um, Denver Broncos 16, Oakland Raiders 10. The Broncos still 5-0. and Peyton Manning had two touchdowns or two interceptions, only one touchdown in this game. Right. It's been a long time. Since to the old man Woodson. Right. Same draft class. Both of them. But it's the first time Woodson's ever picked Manning in the NFL. Correct. Twice happened in the same game then. Um but Raiders put up a good fight. They're two and three. The Raiders, I think, they're they're on the upstart, upswing just like the Browns are. But I don't think more people are giving respect to the Raiders than the Browns. Well, they finally got that piece. They finally got Carr in there, and I think he's going to be a good, stable quarterback for them now. If they can just build around him, right, they'll be okay. But so still okay, let me there. ask you this question real quick. So if the Browns had the same record, but it was Manziel getting that record, you'd be more pleased with the Browns than you are right now. No, because I think they're still too far away because oh, of the defense. Goodness, whatever. So. That's whatever. I'm not even going to talk about that. Last night, Sunday Nighter, this was a thrilling one. Giants 30, Niners, 40, Niners 27. They fall to 1-4. and four. The Giants 3-2 and two. Uh, now with that win. Uh, Eli goes down right down the field. Final drive. Win it again. Mr. Clutch. Saving Coughlin's job again. I mean, I don't know. I mean, they would have been 2-3. and three. I don't think that would have really cost them the game. Yeah, but, I mean, they did just look so horrible and so ugly. I mean, I... I don't uh, think Coughlin gets fired. He could still win the NFC East. I think yeah. anyone's getting fired in the yeah. NFC East right now. Yeah. You could still win it. Eli Manning, 41 completed passes, most in the single game in Giants history. 
for this one. So, unfortunately, it would have been nice if the Giants lost and the Eagles could have faced the Giants, you know, for the for the uh, tops in the NFC East on the line. Uh, but, unfortunately, that cannot happen. Kaepernick put up a good game, though, in this one. 23 for 35, 262 yards and two touchdowns in that one. The Niners are done, though. Uh, one and four. That's the kiss of death it's right there over. for them. So, now the Monday Nighter to wrap up week five as we did it. We got through all of our... NFL games you wanted to get to today. 8.30 kick on ESPN tonight. 2-2 two two Pittsburgh Steelers with Mike Vick at the helm against the 2-2 two two San Diego Chargers. I'm in a battle of AFC uh, premier teams. Over under 46, the Chargers. Um, three and a half point faves at home. So really, in reality, they're about a point and a half fave at home. Um, Ben Roethlisberger out once again. Martavius Bryant questionable. Cortez Allen questionable right now for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, Malcolm Floyd, and uh, it looks to be probable, but Stevie Johnson, who's been nice in the receiving court for the Chargers, is questionable. Who wins tonight? If Pittsburgh can get uh, Bell going, I think Pittsburgh wins. Now we got ifs and what-if scenarios. Come on, just pick someone to win the game. Fine, I'm going to go with Pittsburgh. I mean, you got to predict. You predicted a winner, and you predict, you predict if Bell gets going. Yeah. Uh, in the event that. Yeah, because... They're like, what, like 29th against the run defense San Diego is? And then Pittsburgh's defense is faltering, but the offensive line is horribly trash on San Diego. So there's a lot that can go right and a lot that can go wrong. I just, okay, it's going to be Pittsburgh. I just go Pittsburgh's way. There you go. San Diego. You're going Pittsburgh. Uh, it's at home, so I'm going to go with San Diego. If it was at Heinz Field, I'd go with Pittsburgh. I think uh, Mike Vick might, you know, I think under the bright lights on a Monday night in San Diego, um, I think he might, you know, throw a throw a tragic pick at the end or make a fumble or something down the stretch. I think Mike Vick's going to be the one that's going to cost them this game. Um, and I mean, I don't, I don't, I'm not sold on the Chargers by any means. I don't, I don't think. No. I mean, I, I like Philip Rivers as a guy. I think he's a decent quarterback. I, I think he hasn't gone and broken into that next level, but. Right now it's week five, and the Chargers are going to win a football game. Yeah, I think these are just two teams that are equally have been bitten by the injury bug. Right. I mean, especially if Stevie Johnson is able to play, that changes things too because he's he's a great young uh, receiver. Wasn't really appreciated. Didn't really have a quarterback in Buffalo. Now he does in San Diego to at least give him something there um, on that one. So, you know, San Diego, I'm going to give the win. You give it to the Steelers um, in this one. Uh, One quick uh, note to hit on um, for this one or for the NFL overall, is the Lions are still winless. You know, again, they're, they're the last team to win a game. Is Stafford done? No. Is the Stafford experiment over? No, I don't think so. Because there's Ooh. just a lot wrong. They were so close last year, and then this season they look like poo on a stick. It's just bad. They pay him a lot of money. They just gave him an extension. You got to think about that. This isn't like fantasy football. Where you can just be like, oh, he stinks. I'm going to quit. You got, they got money involved put into this guy. You can't be like, oh, it's done. If, you, if you're going to invest money like that into a guy, especially your quarterback, you're going to live with them. Not well, everyone's as to. dumb as Dan Snyder and with RG3. Right. Not everyone's as dumb as that. I mean, it's a, finan- it's a business at the end of the day. If you put all your money into this one asset, you're not just going to drop the asset. So then what's missing? What's missing from I don't know. Not a general manager. I'm but not you're, quite sure. But you're an analyst. You're supposed to be analyzing and predicting, and I thought that was part of the gig. Well, you know, Matt Stafford's kind of out. It was Dan Orlovsky getting it done. They pulled him out because he, he threw two picks, not right. because he was hurt. Right. 
Well, I mean, he was out in the game. So, I mean, is Dan Orlovsky your answer? I don't know. They got a lot of problems to sort through. Stafford is great at the end of games. So, I don't know. I don't know if he's going to be a starter. That's, a, that's high above my pay grade. Nonetheless, that's all for us today, Tubby. Good work on a Monday. Thanks. I need to go Coming find in. some Pepto now. Ooh. I don't need Horrible to know. Games. I don't need to know any of this stuff. Yes, you do. Neither do our listeners. Yes, they do. They love me. Anywho, that's all for us on a Monday edition. Tomorrow, no the morning after. Tomorrow. It's reading day. Reading day. No classes. No the morning after. We have off on Tuesday. So it'll be Tubby and I coming back to you on Wednesday to talk about Monday night football, MLB playoffs, the like. A lot of good stuff happening uh, around the professional sports scene at the moment. So, Tyler Trumber, I'm Tubby. Thanks for tuning in. Check our podcast on edinburghnow.com. Otherwise, keep it locked to 88.9 Fighting Scots Radio for the rest of the day because who, where else would you rather listen?